Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where our spirit is fed, where our faith grows stronger, and where we learn how to be overcomers. The Bible talks about a spirit of fear, also talks about a spirit of faith, and uh, this, this is not just a mentality of something, but a spirit of something. That affects much more than feelings or reasoning. The just shall live by faith, not just, you know, answer a question once in a while about what faith are you. Uh, faith and fear affect everything. No, we understand that with fear. Uh, if somebody is uh, dealing with a lot of fear that they're not resisting, does that affect their countenance? Does that affect their job, their performance, their interactions with people? It affects everything. How they, uh, their attention span, their focus, because it's a spirit of that that just affects the whole environment. Well, then faith is, has the same kind of effect uh, as far as how much it affects, but only in, in a way of life. A faith, spirit of faith about you affects your interactions with people. It affects how you look. It affects what you pay attention to and how you respond. It's a way of life. At the end of the uh, class, a lot of times that's what we'll say. I live by faith, right? I walk by faith. That, that's not just something you do Sunday morning service, right? I, I overcome this world. That's a big statement. If it's in the world, I can overcome it, right? Overcome this world by faith. And um, faith is a choice at every juncture, at every situation, and you want to remind yourself of that. These things, these cases that we're studying, they missed great opportunities to demonstrate faith and instead chose to panic, fear, accuse, blame, doubt. All of us have opportunities every day. And you just, you just make that right choice. You just go, well, I, you know, no matter what's going on, I'm going to trust God today. I'm going to look to Him. I'm going to reach out to Him. I'm going to ask Him. I'm going to seek Him. I'm going to rely on Him. And He's a faithful God. Amen. Right? He knows my heart. And He knows if I'm serious about wanting to do what He wants me to do, He will be there for me. Amen. Right? Every time. And uh, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, you can testify. Huh? Can anybody say he's been there for me? He's been there for me over and over, and he never will leave us or forsake us. 
Father, all of us agree together is touching this, asking for more revelation, asking uh, for the feeding of our spirit, like we said, uh, of, of that which only you can give. Man cannot give this to man. It has to come from you, the creator of our spirit and soul can feed us in spirit and soul. And so we ask for that, we reach for that, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. We've been looking in Hebrews 3 and also in 1 Corinthians 10, talking about overcoming unbelief. And if you look in 1 Corinthians 10 today, even starting at the, the first verse, he says, Brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea and baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They ate the same spiritual food. They drank the same spiritual drink. They drank of that spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. Everybody say that rock was Christ. He goes on to say, but with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And so he says, verse 11, all these things happened as examples and they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. We've been studying these uh, 10 incidents that culminated in Numbers 14, beginning back about Numbers, uh, excuse me, Exodus uh, 13 or so going all the way through, seeing case after case where, like he said, uh, they failed to trust him and believe him, harden their heart, like Hebrews said. Go back to Exodus again. We're looking at number six in our study. What happened at a place called Rephidim? And these, although historically accurate accounts, they're much more than that. They are uh, forever standards. They identify and portray truths, timeless truths, in a perfect way. There's so many things that God has done. There's so many things that have happened with his people in all the generations and the vast majority of that we don't have, we won't know, don't need to. But these timeless things God has kept for us and had recorded for us and intended that every generation learn these things. Uh, I feel for people who have grown up now, uh, third generation, sometime fourth generation, that didn't know God and don't go to church, don't read the Bible. And um, so then if you've got somebody that does come to the Lord out of that group, they are so woefully ignorant of all things God. God's intent is that you should have learned as a little guy about Jonah and the big fish. Right? You should have learned about uh, Daniel and the lion's den. You should have learned about Moses and the two tablets with the Ten Commandments. You should have learned about these things. Why? Because they're not just stories. 
Everybody said they're not just stories. They're, they're not just stories. They are timeless truths and perfect examples of, of all manner of things. Here we have perfect examples of unbelief. <laughs> Why do we need to know those? So you don't do it again. Right? <laughs> so you don't. There's something better than learning from your own mistakes. It's learning from theirs and going, I am not doing that. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, and so every one of these, like we said, timeless truth. Let's, let's look at this one. What are we supposed to learn from this? They came to Rephidim, verse 1, and there was no water for the people to drink. The people did chide with Moses, and they said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why chide you with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? Now, every one of these questions are a legitimate question. It is irrational for them to be pressuring Moses. When he says, Why are you striving and pressuring me? Can he create water? Does he know where all the water is? No. He's a human being like you. He's called of God, but he's, he's not God. And then, so they want to test God and challenge him. And we see in, later in verse 7 where they're saying, is God among us or not? Bad attitude. And he's saying, why are you doing that? Is that going to get you any closer to water? Is pressuring me and blaming me going to get you any closer to water? The truth is, if God don't give us some water pretty quick, none of us going to make it out here. Right? <laughs> right? But we've been here before. Right? We at the waters of Marah couldn't drink any water. God fixed it. If he fixed it then, he can fix it now. Is that right? Now that sounds so simple, but that's strong faith. I said that's strong faith. If he did it then... He can do it now. If he did it for them, he can do it for me. Is that right? That's strong faith. Strong faith. And they could have done that. They should have done that. But they didn't. And so, like we said in verse 7, they call the name of the place Masa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel. And because they tempted or tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now, go with me, if you would, over to uh, uh, Deuteronomy, I believe it is. Deuteronomy 9. And you see something that, I'm going to read a verse or two before we get there, but uh, um, a synopsis summary of the character of this group of people that displeased, that was very displeasing to God. We're going to study in a later event in Exodus 32 and 33 where the Lord told Moses this statement. He said, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. 33, he said it again. He said, you are a stiff-necked People. Verse 5, he said it again, you are a stiff-necked people. Is that good or bad? <laughs> bad. It's bad. 
can people be stiff-necked today? What does that mean, stiff-necked today? If you read other scriptures, it has to do with, uh, among other things, refusing to hear. A refusal to hear. A refusal to yield. And it is an inclination. You'll find this terminology about inclining your ear, inclining your heart. Well, what is an incline? That's an angle, right? And so if you're inclining towards something, you are leaning in. Is that right? Well, see, being stiff-necked is the opposite of that, right? It is doing this. It is doing this. And so through um, practice, you develop one way or the other you'll have an inclination to lean in, listen to God, go with God, or you can practice the other way. Nobody's going to make me. Nobody tells me what to do. Can, can you see my neck? <laughs> what, what is that? You, you don't run me. You don't tell me what to do. Well, the problem is that when people are that way, they're not just that way with other people. That's just how they are. And so that's how you're going to be with God, too. People will try to say, oh, no, no, I'm not that way with God. You, you are the way you are. You don't just flip a switch and turn into something else when you go to church. <laughs> you can pretend, but, but you don't. In Deuteronomy 9, if you'd look there with me, please. Deuteronomy 9, verse 6. The Lord is telling them uh, through Moses about a, a little bit of a God perspective of how he chose them to begin with and what's been going on. He said, you need to understand this, and he's talking to all of the Israelites here, that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess it for your righteousness because you are a stiff-necked people. <laughs> What's he say? You don't need to get the wrong idea <laughs> that you're getting to go into the promised land because you are righteous. Because mm, opposite is true. Remember and forget not how you provoked the Lord to wrath in the wilderness from the day that you did depart out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place. You have been rebellious against the Lord. We're going to see he's going to reiterate that, but he's saying from the time I started with you in Egypt all the way to the present moment, which is past Kadesh Barnea and all, that, all these ten events, he said, you've been stiff-necked. You have been defiant. You have been rebellious the whole time. We saw one brief moment when the Lord split the Red Sea and they went through and uh, what's that, Exodus 14 well 15, man they broke out the tambourines, remember that? Pharaoh his, his horse and chariots thrown into the sea, man they sang they jumped, they, why? Because Egyptians are not going to bother them anymore they, they are free and, and it probably is kind of sinking in that we're not going back into slavery next week <laughs> we are free. We're going to stay free. We're going to live the rest of our lives free. 
And then they went three days and couldn't find any water. And they just came down on Moses and Aaron. We're all going to die out here. What'd you bring us out here to die for? Blaming right back into it. Right back into it. It's a, it's a bent. It's an inclination. Either towards or pulling back. And people get used to doing that. And they do it with each other. And they do it with God. You don't want to be stiff-necked. You don't want to harden your heart. You don't want to pull back. You don't want to have this attitude, well, prove it to me, God. Prove it to me. Well, what would it take to prove it to you? See, what folks don't realize is in cases like that, there would never be enough because it's a choice. And unless and until you're willing to make that choice, you could, be dem- you could have demonstrated a thousand signs and wonders over 50 years and you'll still be saying, well, you need to show me again. It'd never be enough. And so that's what he's saying. He said, you've been rebellious this whole time. In Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath, and he was angry with you. And verse 13, he said, Furthermore, the Lord spake to me, saying, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Some say, why do you keep reading it? Well, why did he keep saying it? <laughs> huh? <laughs> do you reckon he wants to make an impression on us? Right? We, we should hear stiff-necked. Hard-hearted, hard-headed, and we think, Mm-mm, not me, not me. Right? We should think, distance yourself from that. And he said at verse 22, he said at Taborah and at Massa and at Kibroth Hateva. And these are places that we're going to be studying later. We're, we're in the beginning of this list, and these are toward the end of the list. There's actually 15 of these incidents. At Taborah, at Massa, at Kibroth Hateva, you provoked the Lord to wrath. Now, that is such an unreasonable thing to, to imagine. Why would a created thing provoke its creator to anger with its attitude and its response? That makes no sense. But when the enemy is involved, Things tend to not make sense. He is, you know, fear can be so irrational. And so unbelief can be so unreasonable. Did they not have every reason to believe that God was real? Huh? Ten signs and wonders, getting them out of each, splitting the Red Sea. Did they not have every reason to believe God could do anything? Huh? Could he work a miracle? Did they have every reason to believe that he wanted to do something good for them? If he wanted to kill them, like they brought up from time to time, he just brought us out here to kill us, there would have been lots easier ways. Is that right? <laughs> to do? Are you kidding? He could just lift his protection for a week, and the plague would have killed everybody. In Egypt, there wouldn't have been a soul breathing. I mean... No, he, he wants to do something good for them, but they would never allow themselves to be convinced of his reality, of his power, of his love, of his goodness. And that is sadly the case today with billions of inhabitants of this planet. 
either just outright deny his existence altogether or believe man-made religious traditions about him wanting to hurt them, kill them, destroy them, steal their children with accidents or diseases or all kind of untrue stuff. Hebrews 11, that we begin study. You don't, don't have to turn there right now, but Hebrews 11, that uh, the great faith chapter, what does it say? Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must, this is not optional, you must believe, and he mentions two things. Anybody remember what they are? You must believe what? That he is. See, are there billions of people on the planet that don't believe that? They don't believe God exists. They don't believe he is. They don't believe he exists. They don't believe he's God. Well, if he exists and he has the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the understanding of God, the ability and power of God, then he can do anything from our perspective. But that's, he didn't stop there, did he? Hmm? I guess maybe we should have gone to, to, to the verse, huh? Because uh, some, uh, we, we have a lot of folks maybe that are not familiar with it. Hebrews 11. Six, without faith, it's impossible. Didn't say it was challenging or difficult. It's, it's just impossible to please him. Why? It has to do with our judging his character. If you don't trust him, that's a statement of your take on who he is and what he is. Why wouldn't you trust him? Why wouldn't you listen to him? Why wouldn't you believe him? You've, de you've decided that you don't believe he is God or you don't believe this next part, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, reward has to do with something good. Hmm? Something good. Believing God is includes believing he's, he can do anything. If he's God, he, he had to be able to do anything. But you must not stop there. You've got to go further. And believe that he is a rewarder. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is a responder with good to those who seriously seek him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those who will say, I'm, I'm not still debating whether God exists or not. Huh? I exist because He exists. The planet I'm standing on exists because He exists. He exists. And He is God. But you've got to go beyond that. A lot of religious people, even church-going people, that's as far as they ever go in their life. God exists. He's all-powerful, all-wise. But they have no confidence that he will for sure do anything good for them in their life. In fact, they'll believe that bad things were from him. So they're not believing the whole verse. They're, they're not doing this last half that the scripture said, you must believe this. You have to believe this. Well, I'm glad that some years ago, <laughs> I became convinced. Hallelujah. 
God is. And he is a rewarder to Keith, to me. Hallelujah. He know, does he know us? The Bible said he knows your name. He knows the number of the hairs on your head. I don't keep up with that. Do you keep up with that? <laughs> what does that mean? Why would, it, why would he even say such a thing? Well, for one thing, it shows his capacity. Huh? Reckon what the numbers of the hairs on each head of each of his people globally would be. <laughs> and you and I would think, why calculate it? Right? <laughs> why? How are you going to find out? And of course, by the time you figured it out, it has changed substantially. Is that right? <laughs> Which shows God's ability to update. Huh? Instantaneously. Somebody said, well, he must have some great computers. God would not have a computer. It'd be like an ox cart to him. <laughs> It'd be so primitive. Uh-uh. But he has the ability to know these things. Why would he keep up with it? It is an indication of how involved he is and wants to be in your life. And that he has the ability. I've heard people say, well, I don't want to bother the Lord, you know. He's got so many things going on. And, you know, he's got to answer the, the king's prayer and the president's prayer and the soldier's prayer and the widow's prayer. And, and you know, I, uh, well, no, you, you have a wrong concept. You, you have this idea of God at the old cable switchboard, telephone switchboard, you know, that you know, calls or lights are coming on. And calls are coming in from all over the world. And, and God is sitting there like the operator, you know, and he's answering calls. And you're thinking, man, the board's all lit up. I don't, I don't want to bother the Lord. There is no board. There is no board. And God is not old. And there's no perspiration on his brow. He's not almost overloaded from all the... No, he is the Almighty on the throne all things upheld every millisecond by the, by the power of his word. And he can hear everybody's prayer at once and keep up with the count of all the hairs on your head and theirs at the same time. And like we've said sometimes, and help you find a parking place downtown at the same time with no problem. If all his people made a demand on his power at the same moment, he could answer it simultaneously and the lights in heaven wouldn't even flicker. Amen. Do not underestimate your God, how big he is and how much he cares, how he is able, even with all the other millions and billions, he's able to interact with you personally, even on what would be you know, cosmically a very tiny thing. But if it matters to you, say thank you, Lord, for loving me. I believe in your power. I believe in your reality. And I believe in your goodness to respond and reward those that seek you. Hallelujah. Our time's up again today. But go ahead and express that to him again tonight and again the next day 
and let it become more and more real to you. We'll see you again soon back here in Faith School. I've got the victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.